text today, really just one sentence is where we'll focus. Let's go to James chapter 3, verse 5. James chapter 3, verse 5. Thank you for bringing your Bibles. Thank you for taking a moment to turn there. Um, I appreciate it so much. James chapter 3, verse 5, one verse of scripture for our text today. James writes, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. We're in the middle of, of his thesis on the power of the tongue here. And so he writes that statement. The text for today is the last sentence. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And my title today, what I'd like to preach for a few moments, is this. The big potential of a small flame. The big potential of a small flame. Can we go to the Lord in prayer one more time before you're seated and ask his favor and blessing on the remainder of the service? Jesus, I am so thankful, as always, for the privilege and the extreme honor of preaching the word of God. And I believe that no thing in your kingdom is done by accident. I believe you've given a word for the day, and I believe those that are here to hear it are here for a purpose. Let your will be done. Let us see a manifestation of your presence in Jesus' name. Would you say in Jesus' name? Amen. You may be seated today. God bless you. Philip Brickell was a 43-year-old employee of the London Underground. He was inside the cavernous main hall of King's Cross Station, King's Cross Subway Station, on, no, on late November evening, 1987. A commuter stopped Philip as he was collecting tickets and said that there was a burning tissue at the end of, or at the bottom of a nearby escalator. Now, King's Cross Subway Station in London is one of the largest grandest and most heavily trafficked of all of London's subway stops. And if you'd been there on that day in 1987, you would have been one of more than a quarter million travelers that day passing through on six different train lines. It's a labyrinth of deep passageways and tunnels, some of which are almost a century old. The escalators of King's Cross Station especially, and in particular, are famous for their size and their age. Some stretch as far as five stories into the ground and are made of wooden slats and rubber handrails. The ceiling of King's Cross Station has been repainted so many times over the years that they don't even know what the original color was. That burning tissue that the commuter saw was at the bottom of one of the longest escalators, which is the one that serves the Piccadilly line. So, Brickell that day in 1987 left his position at the ticket sales and rode the escalator down to the platform where the passengers would normally board and found that smolder, smoldering wad of tissue and with a rolled up magazine, he beat the fire out. He then returned to his post and he did not investigate further. The underground, rail, or the underground subway's routines that had been handed down from employee to employee years told Philip that he should never, ever 
ever refer to anything in the subway station as a fire for reasons that you can imagine. However, this small fire, which started under that wooden escalator serving the Piccadilly line, and which that burning tissue was just a small product of, would eventually erupt into a large blaze. Investigators later twice reproduced the fire in a controlled environment. They even ran a computer simulation trying to determine not only the cause, but the, the how the fire spread so much that day. And they determined that a careless commuter lit a cigarette and flicked the match onto one of those wooden slats of, those, of that escalator. And what seemed like just a minor fire over the course of, of, of several minutes and through circumstances increased so rapidly and with such an intensity that it shot a violent, prolong, prolonged tongue, yes, tongue of fire and billowing smoke that ultimately became an inferno that day in that crowded subway station that took the fire brigade six hours to put out because of one match on one wooden slat. James, in our text today, writes his great theses on the power of the tongue, and he gives us an important truth. How great a matter a little fire kindleth. Of course, as I've already said, he applies this truth to the inability of humans to control their tongues. But the proverb is universal and can be applied in so many ways. Where he says, how great a matter, here the word matter could be translated. In fact, the original gets at a more distinct meaning the word matter here really is material or wood. So he's essentially saying how combustible is wood and other material when ignited by just a small spark. Now we understand today that fire is one of the most destructive forces of nature. We've seen that played out this year in the wildfires that raged in the western part of our country. But the properties of fire, namely its power, and its ability to spread quickly are profound reminders that it only takes a small spark to ignite great things. A small ember of faith, hear me Grace Church, a small ember of faith is enough to ignite a blaze of the miraculous. A flickering flame of the Holy Ghost in a soul is enough to erupt into a great manifestation of God's presence. If the prophet said, it's like a fire shut up in my bones, but for some of us today, perhaps that fire that's shut up in your bones feels like it has dwindled down to just some smoldering embers. Maybe you're here today looking at your faith, looking at the state of your walk with God, and all you see is a flame that has burned out and is all but gone, save for a few ashes. But what if I told you today that those smoldering ashes of your faith are enough to kindle a blaze of miracles? It's enough to kindle a blaze of blessing. It's enough to kindle answered prayer in your life. And it's enough to kindle great harvest and great revival in our church.
want you to know today you may not have much burning on the inside today, but I want you to know it is enough. I want you to know that a little fire can, a little flame can kindle a great fire. I want you to know there's great potential in a small flame. If you believe that today, would you clap your hands? Now we're today, I'll state the obvious, we're now more than halfway through the month of October. Again, to state the obvious, that means we only have two and a half months left in 2020. The year that will go down in the history books. And so here we are on October the 18th, and all of us, all of us, everyone in this room, are trying to make some sense of the ruins of the year 2020 that lie in an ash heap all around us. For many, 2020 has doused that once fully involved flame of faith and hope that used to burn brightly in your life. Now the fire and the power of the Holy Ghost has not diminished, but you may feel like it's diminished inside of you. And it's not just the circumstances of our world that we talk about. It's personal problems, it's family issues, it's situations and distractions, disappointments that all work to try to put the damper on the flame of fire of faith that wants to burn brightly in all of us. But what I've come to preach to you today is a word of faith. And I've come to help somebody see 2020 from a different perspective. I've come to challenge you to see 2020, not for the ruins that you may think that it is, and not for the disaster that it seems like it's become, but for the fire of revival, the ignition of faith, and the outpouring of miracles that God wants it to be before December 31st arrives on the calendar. So let me help you this, this morning. Does anybody remember 2016? I got a few. You don't want to remember it. I know you've tried to forget, but, but it's okay. I'm calling it to your remembrance today. Let's go back to 2016 for just a few moments. We all watched in horror as floodwaters rose, overtook our properties, our houses, our possessions in ways that we could have never imagined in all of our wildest dreams. No one ever thought that we would have that kind of flood here. It's gone down in the books as the worst flood of our lifetime. It's probably, some say, the worst flood of a thousand years. And I can remember walking through the rubble of what used to be our home, stepping over heaps of waterlogged possessions. My brother Steve was with me. And I remember, I can laugh a little bit now, we began picking up armfuls of waterlogged possessions and walking them down to the street because we knew that's what was going to have to happen. And I don't know how long we thought that was going to take, taking a few things by the, by, the arm, by the handful and the armful and walking it down to the street, but we were so dazed and confused, that's all we could think of to do. We had to do something. We just had to do something, and that's all we could think of. And I remember looking up. I made a few trips out to the curb, and I looked up, and here comes Brian Tear down the street with a big smile on his face. He's driving a front-end loader. And some other help showed up, and we started throwing stuff on that front-end loader, and Brian would take it to the street and, and pour it out. And in just a few hours, we got all of our possessions down to the street. 
And, and, and that was that. That was the end of a lifetime of, of stuff and of, of what seemed like blessing from God all piled up on the street and a great altar to sacrifice to FEMA on the curb right there for the world to see. And most of you experienced the same thing. You lost at least part, if not all, in the floods of 2016. For some of you here today, you haven't really been back in your remodeled house all that terribly long since it got put back together. So the question I submit to the jury for consideration today, did God get you through 2016? Did God make a way when all hope was lost and there seemed to be no way forward? When you didn't know which way to turn and you didn't know how you were going to get through. Can I just ask you a question? Did God get you through and are you still here today? Come on, if He got you through yesterday, why are we doubting today? If He brought you to today, why are we fearful about tomorrow? If He was able to handle 2016, what makes you think that He's not up to the task of getting you through 2020? So I'm asking you today, is there anybody who, out, who, who can look within yourself and out of the ashes of doubt and out of the ashes of fear, you can begin to kindle just a few embers and say, God, I've got just enough faith and I'm willing to kindle the flame just a little bit more and I'm willing to give you one more chance to to, to fuel the fire of faith and say, God, you did it before, and I believe that you will do it again. So here we are, four years later, four years later, four years and two months later, October 2020. And remember, my family not only battled the floods, we were battling a leukemia diagnosis. And I look back over the last four years, the last four years from 2016 to 2020, and I marvel at how God has restored our family a hundredfold in the last four years. And now I'm really going to mess with you a little bit here today, Grace Church. A lot of that blessing and restoration and healing has come in the year 2020. Now stick with me right here. Let me, let me give you, let me testify a moment. I declared 2020 a year of restoration for our family back early on. I just declared it in Jesus' name. And we're watching that unfold before our eyes, my family and I. Just the beginning of the school year back in August, just a couple months ago, Farah's, Farah is a school teacher, if you don't know, and her paycheck got direct, got direct deposited on a Friday. And when I pulled up the bank account, it was significantly more than what we had budgeted for, what we planned on, what we knew her normal pay scale was. And so I saw that and ran into the room where she was and said, what in the world is going on? You got paid a whole lot more than what you normally do. She said, oh yeah. She said, I forgot to tell you. She said, I started this new school last year in the middle of the year, and they just kind of had to get me in and get me onboarded and they were only able to do so much, she said. But with the beginning of this new school year, they have bumped me to a grade that is commensurate with my experience and my credentials, and it resulted in a significant raise starting now going forward. 
But I, I thought we were going to write off 2020. I thought that there was nothing good that could happen in 2020. I, I thought we were all just going to stand around and hold our breath and wait for the calendar to flip to January 1st, 2021. But I want to declare to you today, that's not what God has in mind. I want you to know 2020 is a year of blessing. I want you to know that 2020 is a year of revival. I want you to know that out of the ashes of what you thought was going to be a write-off year, God has you positioned for a miracle. God has you positioned for harvest. And God has Grace Church positioned for revival like we've never seen before. If you believe that, would you lift your voice and clap your hands as an act of faith and say, God, I believe it. God, you're going to do it. And I'm going to stand on the promises of the Word of God. Now, that's not all. How many of you know that God doesn't bless the missus of the house without blessing the mister of the house? That's 1st Dave chapter 1 verse 23. At my employment, I call it my day job, we have our employee reviews in the middle of the year, July. And so that happened in July and they called me. We weren't doing face-to-face meetings at the time and did, went through the employer review and said, we got news for you, Dave. Said, you qualify for a raise. Well, that's good news. I was like, yes. They said, but there's only one problem. Said, you've maxed out at your pay grade, and we can't give you a raise. D- does anybody ever feel like when your ship comes in that before it gets to the harbor, it springs a leak and sinks? That's kind of how it works. And I know, I've been at this long enough, I know what comes next when you, when you get to that point. They're like, you know, if, if you go take a few classes and if you get up out of your chair and actually do some work now and then and stop taking two naps a day and show a little initiative, you know, by 2085 we can probably get you to the, to the next pay grade. So that's kind of what I was ready for. Imagine my surprise when... My, when my boss said, but we can't bump your salary because of the pay grade. So what we've decided to do is to take the percentage, annualize it out over 12 months, and just write you a check for a, for a lump sum and give it to you as a bonus. You can expect that in your bank account on Friday. No, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. 2020, there's nothing good that can come out of 2020. The stock market's all over the place. The government can't get its act together on more stimulus money to help the economy. We can't have that kind of thing in 2020. Let's just write it off and go to 2021. But I'm here today to flip the script on 2020 and fan the flame of somebody's faith. 2020 is not the disaster you thought it was going to be. I want you to know an uncertain economy doesn't hinder God's ability to bless you financially. I want you to know that coronavirus pandemic doesn't inhibit God's ability to heal you. I want you to know that lockdown can't hold back the spread of the gospel. I want you to know that government policy doesn't box in God. 
I want you to know that it doesn't matter who's elected president because God is in control of your life and he's in control of this church. And as long as he is Lord and as long as he's calling the shots, anything is possible and anything can happen. If you believe it, would you clap your hands to the Lord? I want you to know there's big potential in a small flame. I want you to know a small flame can kindle a large matter. I want you to know that anything is possible as long as there's a small flame burning. Yes, 2020's been challenging. Yes, it's been discouraging. But as I'm sifting through the rubble of my doubts, And as I dig out from under the debris of fear, and as I stir around in the ashes of anxiety, what is this I see right here? It looks like I see some embers burning. I I think I can see a glow of what what looks like could be a small fire. I, I think I'm smelling just a little bit of wood smoke coming out of what used to be ashes I'm seeing a small flame begin to burn. And I'm proclaiming today that out of the ashes of 2020, there's a fire yet to burn. I'm telling you, in the next two and a half months before the calendar flips, there's still some things that God's going to do. It's going to be in your life and it's going to be in your family, and it's going to be in your home, but it's also going to be in our church. It's also going to be in our community. It's also going to be in the order of miracles, signs, and wonders. I'm not just preaching something today that I came up with after eating some pizza. I'm preaching what God gave me, and He has told me what I'm preaching, and He told me to tell you that it's going to happen, that it will come to pass. I'm preaching faith today. If there's anybody that would believe it, would you clap your hands to the Lord? There's something, there's something stirring in this place. I, I've got more message than I have time to preach. I'm just going to keep plodding on, and then when, when God gives the word, we'll wrap it up. We really do need to flip the script on 2020. Now, I, I wrestled a little bit sharing those testimonies because I don't want you to think I'm wealthy. I'm not, and I don't want you to come ask me for a loan. What I'm telling you is this. Four years ago, our earthly possessions were reduced to what we had put in a suitcase. We were living in one room in the Ronald McDonald House in Memphis, Tennessee. You just heard two miracles. I don't have time to tell you the other three, plus all the other stuff that God has done that aren't, is not necessarily financial, where God has put us here. And so much of it has happened in 2020. While the world is in chaos, while the ashes are burning, and while things are burning to the ground, it seems like God is up to something big. If we just had the ear to hear and the eyes to see that God wants to bless His church and He wants to pour out revival like we've never seen. And I'm telling you, just quickly here, it's not just my family. I use those examples because that's the ones I know best. There's There's a family here today that had asked us to help them pray just over the last six weeks about a miracle that was needed in a job situation. 
a very complex situation. It wasn't just a matter of finances and money. It was a lot of issues. And I'm telling you, just this weekend, that family told us and testified that everything had worked out. A new job has, has been offered. The money's better. The situation's better. The, the whole picture is better because God blessed. That happened in 2020. That happened while things are crazy all around us. God's blessing his church. And so this is what I want to tell you here on this point. You need to start standing up to the impossible in your life. You need to confront negative emotions and you need to stand up to the doubt that's in your mind and start declaring the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You're not dead yet. It's not over yet. You're still here. So declare the goodness of the Lord over your life and over your church and over your family. Declare it in Jesus' name. Speak it in Jesus' name. Declare the goodness of the Lord over your life. Clap your hands one more time to the Lord. You may be seated. Luke 24, there were two disciples. One was named later, named Cleopas. They're walking down the road to Emmaus. Here, we pick up the story. Jesus has been crucified, buried, and He's risen again. And they've been told that, but they don't appreciate it for what it is. They don't understand the full context that Jesus is alive. From their point of view, it was an end of everything they'd ever hoped in. Everything they'd put their faith in. They had more questions than answers. Had a very, very uncertain future. And their faith was down to a smolder. Jesus shows up, meets them on the road, begins walking with them. Their eyes are blinded. That, not blinded in the sense they can't see, but they can't recognize Him. And He begins to share with them from the Scriptures and try to explain to them, trying to get their faith rekindled. And then when they get where they're going, they invite Jesus in for a meal. Jesus breaks the bread, blesses it. And in, and in that moment, the scales fall off their eyes and they see Jesus for who He is and He disappears out of their sight. And when the revelation comes and, and, and when Jesus manifests Himself to them, they say this, they make the statement, Did not our hearts burn within us? When Jesus stepped into our doubt, when he stepped into our questions, when he stepped into our uncertainty. Now that I think about it, you know, we, we felt a little bit of a flame start flickering up out of the ashes of all that negativity. And they began to testify that, yes, we've seen Jesus alive. They went back to the disciples and they said, we've seen him and, and he's rekindled the flame of our faith and, and out of the ashes has risen great faith. And we know that he's done what he said he's, he was going to do. I want you to know today that when you insert yourself into the presence of God, such as you have done today, when you begin to fan the flame of your faith with worship and prayer like you've done today, when you begin to, actu uh, to actualize and actively engage in the presence of God like you've done today, the embers of your faith begin to glow. That little flame starts to flicker and becomes a raging inferno. And it begins to spread from one 
to the other, from one to the next. And suddenly, all of a sudden, there's combustion and a great fire of the Holy Ghost begins to fall. That's how we go from an ember to a flame, is by fanning that flame with the presence of God. It may not be much, but what you have is enough. What you have is enough. Not only is the fire waiting to be kindled in each one of us, but the time is now for the flames of revival to burn in the church. I say this under the unction and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I know what God has spoken to me. There are enough burning embers left in the church in 2020 to create an explosion of Holy Ghost power that will spill out of our church and into the community, out of our homes and into our neighborhoods, and out of the four walls into the harvest. 2020, we will look back and say, not a year of of ruin, not a year where the church went off the rails, not a year where God forsook us. We'll look back and say, that's the year the revival started. We'll look back and say, that's the year that the harvest started. We'll look back and say, that's when the flame went from just a small limber to a great fire. We'll look back and say, that's when it converted to a great explosion of outpouring of the Holy Ghost. John in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But there cometh after me one who is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so Jesus launched His ministry, spent three and a half years investing in the twelve. And then in Luke 24, He told them to go and tarry and wait until they be endued with power. And... In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, I'm, I'm still not tired of preaching this text. I'm going to preach it again today. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house as they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. I'm telling you, just a little fire is enough to ignite an explosion of the Holy Ghost. Just a few cloven tongues of fire on 120 was enough to birth the church. It was enough to launch on the day of Pentecost. All it takes is a small flame. All it takes is a burning ember. And so from that initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost of 120... Peter got up and preached and it poured out into the streets. 3,000 were saved on the first day. And I love what Acts chapter 5 verse 12 says. It says that they were filled with the Holy Ghost and did signs and wonders. When the flame starts to burn, when the ashes are rekindled, not only are we filled with the Holy Ghost, but signs and wonders begin to flow. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 17 that after this had gone on for some time, they looked at the disciples and said, These are they who have turned their world upside down. It all started with a little flame. It all started with a little spark. It all started with the cloven tongues on 120. And then the fire of the Holy Ghost continued to burn down through the years, through the centuries. 
And at the turn of the last century, it was prophesied that a fresh wave and a revelation and outpouring of Holy Ghost Spirit, of the Spirit of God was coming. A group gathered at Azusa Street Mission in Los Angeles, California, and began to seek God for that promise to be fulfilled. Had you been alive in those days, you might have picked up the Los Angeles Times on April 18, 1906. And you have read a report, you would have read a report of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on that Azusa Street mission. Now the reporter didn't understand it. They hardly understood it themselves, those that had experienced it. But it was a report of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, evidence and speaking of tongues, nonetheless. Tucked away in that report, the reporter wrote that someone stood up in the meeting and prophesied that great calamity and great disaster was coming imminently. Had you been alive in those days, you would have picked up the Los Angeles Times the very next day, April 19, 1906. And you have read that, quote, the heart is torn from the city of San Francisco as a major earthquake ripped the city apart. But if you study the San Francisco earthquake of 1906, you will find that the earthquake itself was not responsible for the majority of the damage that was caused in that great city. Over 90% of the damage from the earthquake was really due to fire. When the earthquake hit, it ruptured gas mains all over the city. And it ignited some 30 fires that consumed some 25,000 buildings and over 490 city blocks. The fire destroy or was responsible for up to 90 percent of the damage but it could not compare to the fire that fell on azusa street in los angeles oh how great a little fire it happened on the day of pentecost and it happened again on azusa street in los angeles california so why do i tell you all that today is it because you need a good history lesson in apostolic history is it because I didn't have anything else to preach about this morning. The answer to both is no. I'm telling you that today because where it happened on the day of Pentecost and where it happened on Azusa Street, I believe and I uh, am compelled by the Holy Ghost to preach that we are now ready and we are now set for one more great outpouring of the Holy Ghost in these our times. We thought it was going to be a write-off year. We thought we were going to see it end in shambles. We thought that it was going to just be the ash heap of history. But out of the mighty fires, or rather, out of, there will be a mighty fire that will come out of these uh, times that will sweep our city. It will sweep our nation. It will sweep our world. If God can use 2020 to restore my family, He can use 2020 to bring revival. If He can use the fires in San Francisco to pour out a spirit in 1906, He can use 2020 to pour out a spirit today. He can do it again. I believe there's an outpouring coming. I believe there's a manifestation coming. I believe that the Holy Ghost is going to flow like we've never seen before. 
But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall see dreams. And on my servants and my handmaids, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. Let's respond to the word of the Lord today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's stand today. Let's stand today. We've heard from the Lord. We've heard from the Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus name it is suggested it is suggested that some 20 years I'm sorry some 20 layers of old paint on the ceiling of King's Cross Station played a significant role in the fueling of that fire that day in 1987 in the investigation that ensued they learned that as that fire began to build under that escalator that superheated gases began to pool and they began to rise. And as those superheated gases began to rise, the layers of paint on the ceiling began to absorb all that heat. And every train that would arrive in the station would provide a gust of oxygen. And it was like a bellows that just began to fuel that, that fire. And at 7.45 p.m., an arriving train forced a gush, a gush of oxygen into that station. And that final gust of oxygen was the final fuel that fed those superheated gases. The sizzling pain above and those superheated gases below reached a combustion point. And that combustion point is known in the business, Brad, as a flashover point. And in half a second, the temperature shot up 150 degrees. And they said it was like a fireball just ignited and shot through that station and exploded out to the ground above. Passersby on the pavement above felt the heat of the fireball that exploded that day when all of that combustible material hit a flashpoint. I want you to know today, and we've just heard from the word of the Lord, today starts the flashpoint. 
If a flashpoint is the place where a spark becomes a flame, where a flame becomes an inferno, today is a Holy Ghost flashpoint. Today is the day that we say the spark has become a roaring fire. Today is the day that the Holy Ghost rushes out of this building onto the street, out into the harvest, out into the community, and we begin to see a manifestation of the Holy Ghost. We begin to see signs and miracles and wonders following. We begin to see answers to prayer. We begin to see what we've been praying a lifetime for. God's going to do it again starting today. Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? The praise team is, is here. They're in place. There's a sovereign move of God in this house. And I believe we're going to look back at today and see that this was a turning point. This, is, this was a flashover point in Jesus' name. So if you're here today and you need God to do something in your life, or if you just have enough faith to believe that what's the, the word that's going forth is true and you want to be a part of it, or if you need the Holy Ghost today, I want you to start making your way down to the front. I want you to start making your way down to these altars. Come on, there's a sovereign move of God. There's a sovereign move of God. Come on, God's moving. Today is a flashover point for somebody. Today is a flashover point in somebody's life. Come on, God's doing it. God's doing it. If you feel the need to social distance, we respect that so very much. Please pray where you're at. Don't just, don't just stay back and not do anything. Come on, we need your prayers. We need your faith. Come on, we need, we need you to, to, to let something begin to build inside of you right now. Come on, somebody, right now. Right now, come on. This is the time to pray. This is the time to ignite your faith. This is the time to ignite your faith. Come on, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Help me, ministry team. Come on, God wants to do something right here. God wants to do something right here. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. God, I love so In Jesus name. Jesus name. Uh, come on somebody, stir up the gift of faith right now. Stir up the gift of faith right now. Come on, let's let those embers become a flame. Let, let's let those ashes become a fire. Come on, God's going to do it again. The year's not over. The year's not over. It's not too late. It's not too late. Come on. God's doing something right now. Does anybody have the courage to say, I believe it? God, you're going to do it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, come on. That's it. Come on. The Holy Ghost is falling right now. Come on, people are receiving the Holy Ghost right now. People are receiving the answers to their prayer right now. Come on, needs are being met right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. God, I bless this congregation right now. God, I bless our church right now. God, I bless every soul, every life, every family. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, 
God, we're rekindling our faith. God, we're rekindling the flame. God, out of the great, out of small flame can come great potential. I believe you have us right where you want us. I believe you're going to do great things in Jesus' name.